Blog Talk Radio. And lo, there came a rider on a pale horse, and he said unto us, Hey guys, it's Friday. You should probably just do a host show. Um, so we're gonna. Hey everybody, welcome to Drive Through HR. This is Dwayne Lay, uh, sitting in the uh, in the captain's chair, running the board. Uh, over to my uh, to my physical right is our host Crystal Miller Lay. Well, hello, hello, hello. It's good to see everyone. And to my virtual left is the always appreciated, lovely and talented Michael Vandeboer. Hey, Mikey. Good afternoon, guys. How are you doing today? Just uh, you know, rocking into the weekend. Walking on sunshine. <laughs> I'm you? all the rest of the lyrics sitting on here. I'm good. I'm in the Adirondack Mountains trying to find oh. a place to pull off so I can talk to you guys. But I'm good. What? I'm on vacation. Drive safely. You deserve a vacation. Let me just say that up front. Thank you. So lots of stuff this week. Um, I've got some stuff I want to talk about with, uh, it's not exactly Amazon. It's Amazon adjacent, I guess, which uh, we've, and to talk about Amazon a lot on Friday. Um, I know, Crystal, you want to go and talk a little bit, uh, recapping um, the last few shows, which have been really good and really interesting. Yeah. Um, so, uh, I, you know, why don't we start there? Let's talk about this week, and um, and then we'll we'll dive into new material afterwards. We'll open the floor for new business <laughs> at that point. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. Yeah. So, no, it was. It was a really good week, and I can't speak to all of it because I, I know that Michael, Mike launched a new series as yep. part of our, like, Be Better this summer. Um, so, so I don't want to speak about that. I'd rather Mike talk about his experiences with that. But um, as it relates to what we did this week and talking about grief and work, I think that really that resonated with me on a lot of different levels. Um, having Jason on, Jason Biden was our guest for – Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday um, for that series. It was great, as always. He's such a great speaker. Um, and it's such a difficult topic, right? So, but, but what I really liked about it was there was actionable things that you can do, whether it's with someone that works next to you or someone on the other side of the world. And I think when we look at the hundreds of thousands of people that are dead um, in India, but also throughout the larger world, with coronavirus, I don't know that we have many employees at this point many um, companies whose teams aren't dealing with grief on some level. So I liked the practical application that was shared. If you didn't get a chance to listen to it, you should absolutely go back and listen. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I thought that Jason was really good. I thought that some of the advice on just how to handle the human side of grief, mm-hmm. um, you know, we talked on the Thursday show about, you know, having somebody who's running point just to be able to say, hey, we're going to do what we think is right by you, um, and you tell us if we're off, you know, because everybody's different. Um, so, Mike, I don't know if you have you had to deal with that kind of stuff much in your area uh, of dealing with either <sighs> or, or their grief. You know, I mean, you know, of course, you guys know just in HR that you do. I, I see just in HR. Obviously, we deal with um, with employee family events, right? That's the passing of loved ones and that kind of stuff. But it's for, for, even though I've been in HR for 35 years, Dwayne, I have to say, honestly, a lot of that stuff hasn't been, you know, personal in the way, um, 
it's it's different when it's work. I I don't know how to say that in a way that doesn't sound dispassionate. Um, Jason's situation was horrible, um, and and you know on a personal note that way, um, I haven't had to deal with that kind of stuff a lot. So it, you know it's it's just been the passing of loved ones and making sure that you give the employees the bereavement and the, the respect. I think the harder battle there has always been the tendency of business to kind of well, they get three days, you know, the managers kind of, it's like they get three days and, and so on, you know, so we have, we, we want to forget sometimes, I think not just HR, but management in general, we want to forget sometimes the, you know, that there's life outside work, right. And that people should sort of suck it up and it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah. Um, and I don't mean to, I don't mean to imply that people are all evil or not, but it, it's hard to give every individual the cushion they need. You know, and I'm 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 being very inarticulate about it. About I haven't listened to Jason's shows. Uh, I had a, I was in uh, Washington D.C. with Jason and his family at Amanda Height and Julie Rogers' wedding year before last, I think, um, and sat at the same table as Jason. You know, so I had a chance to sit with him for for a bit in a in a happy event, and you know, it, it was it was tough. He had worked with the Human Rights Campaign and his daughter on a, on a memorial that same week. And, it, mm-hmm. you know, it was, you know, you could see that it was, you know, a big toll and, and but also a big honor. Um, and it's, you know, Elle's life, you know, it, it stood for a lot, I guess. And just really hard to, hard to, I'm not real good dealing with that stuff. So. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's interesting enough. It's part of what we've talked about was like a lot of times the reasons why team members, and employees in general don't hear those messages of, of sympathy and empathy at work is because, you know, very few people are good at, at dealing with it. And so one of the, the um, tips that he gave is like, you don't have to say anything poignant. You can really just say like, man, I, I really don't know what to say. I just want you to know I care. And doing that at like preset intervals, even if you're setting a reminder on your phone, like check in every other week with, you know, Jason or whomever, you know, your team member that's grieving, um, is really helpful. It provides little little life wraps in a time period that's really rocky. Yeah. And I thought that was such great advice. It's easy. You can do it anywhere around the world. And we talked kind of about like how collaboration tools can be utilized to help with that um, and and organizing things for the office. But that the real the real aha moment for me was like around um, the how are you doing. Uh, type questions at the top of meetings and calls, and he was like, just don't. Like that's it's so awkward because when you're when you're doing it as part of a work call or a conference, like usually there's multiple people there, right? Like conference meetings and things like that. So like you're putting that person on display, like they're not going to say anything other than I'm good, let's go, <laughs> because that's not what that time is for. So like if they're at the meeting, they're there. And maybe they won't fully participate, and you can deal with that later privately, but like, don't put people on blast in, in meetings and phone calls. You know, I'm like, oh, that's such great advice. Everyone should can, could and could do that starting now. You know, it's interesting you say that. One of the things he and I talked about was the use of social. Um, and we talked collaboration tools like, like Slack and, and how much gets lost in the written word. He also talked about, you know, watching social feeds for employees not in a, like, we're going to spy on our employees, but, like, noticing when there are things like that that come up and that it's okay to say, hey, I saw this. Like, they make a public post to, hey, hey, I saw this. We just wanted to check in and touch base. And it's interesting you say that, this idea that 
when there's when there are people watching, you feel the pressure to say, I'm good. And we're going to veer off of HR for a second. I go back to the Britney Spears thing this week, yeah. right? Her talking about her conservatorship. And, you know, she's posting on Instagram, hey, I'm good. I'm happy. Everything's all right. And then in front of the judge saying, like, I felt like I had to say this stuff. It's kind of the same deal, right? Everybody's watching. I feel like I have to tell you I'm okay, but I'm not okay. And we look at not being okay in our society as a weakness, right? That you should be strong enough to be okay and deal with whatever you got to deal with. And that's just not human beings are wired. So it's an interesting, uh, it's an interesting dichotomy, I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, I just did the, the Six Degrees show uh, on Wednesday, which was one of the rare days that drive Through HR actually had two episodes uh, mm-hmm. in one day. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, um, and I, I didn't get, I didn't call in with Jason, um, so I'll have to listen to those shows because I know that he's got a lot of good stuff to say. Um we, we briefly mentioned Six Degrees last week. It's a little side project of mine that I'm doing under the HR umbrella, and the idea is the Six Degrees comes from the Kevin Bacon uh, story where he, nobody in Hollywood, uh, if you know anybody, if you know six people in Hollywood, one of them's done a film with Kevin Bacon, um, something, something along those lines. And it's really, there's also a, a larger social construct that says people have connections within six contacts. You, you, you'd be surprised how many people yeah. you know. So I'm, I, got, I got fascinated by this idea of six degrees, and I wanted to try something a little bit outside the HR uh, conversation. So I, what, I, what I did is I set up this construct in the podcast where it's the responsibility of each guest to link me to my next, uh, to my next guest. I have no yeah. control over who I'm going to talk to start, uh, once we start the first interview, which I did with my uh, – my life and career coach, Carrie Bucci, um, and she has uh, she did the big reveal at the end of episode one as to who guest two will be, and we're working on getting that show set up next. I won't give the name yet, but it's uh, if you want to listen, it's revealed at the end of our one-hour episode. Uh, most of the shows after this will be half hour, but um, I did the I did so I did I did that show. It's a it's a writer of of young adult books that I'm going to talk to you next. So that's outside the HR space, which is exactly Very where cool. where I wanted to go. Yeah, and I, I don't know exactly what we'll talk about, but we'll find something for sure. Um, yeah. But but in the in the show that I did, uh, we did a live coaching session, and we talked about how I got to this idea and some other things, and um, I shared a bunch of stuff about you know the the impact on COVID. On, on me personally, which was, and also the Trump presidency and a few other issues, which was a pretty, I mean, I wasn't suicidal, but I was in a pretty dark place just from not feeling very good about myself or life in general uh, during the COVID period and kind of how I, kind of how I responded to that on a personal basis, which is by no means heroic, but, you know, how I figured it out. So that's kind of what this last session or this, that's what that first episode of Six Degrees was about from my perspective, how I used coaching as one of several different tools to get me up off the couch and try to figure out how to do something besides Netflix and chill 24-7, um, mostly without the chill part. Um, okay. All right. Thanks so yeah. for <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, Netflix and chill isn't really a thing in my house. But anyway, yeah. Um, mostly I was sitting on the um, – 
Anyway, that's another dark episode of Drive. No, um, no. Seriously, uh, the, I, I think the thing that is, you know, that I think the theme, you know, what I'm, what I'm coming back to is Jason's point, you know, and your point, Dwayne, about Brittany. We all make ourselves try to smile, smile and shine a lot on social media, and I think a lot of times, you know, we share the good stuff and minimize the bad, right? Which everybody does. Um, but I, I just, you know, it's still life. You know, um, I'm 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 running out of thought here. I'm going to shut up and let you guys comment back. I was waiting to see where you were going. Um, I, I, I think the clip from this uh, this episode, by the way, you just need to be warned. Yeah. That puts some chills about a thing in my house. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I haven't I haven't promoted it much yet, so I'll use that one. Perfect. <laughs> um, so so I just like a I love the six degrees of separation. Um, theme that you've got going on. I'm, I'm, I'm angry at myself. I never thought of it. Um, I think it's brilliant. <laughs> so, um, but it's, but it all kind of comes back to the same thing, right? Like what you're talking about, like that's really tough. And it's at this point, it really is one of those universal themes. I think everyone can appreciate how difficult the last year and a half has been around the world. Like, yeah, there's a handful of people who, uh, who have profited heavily off of all this Jeff Bezos. Um, but for the most part, not that I wanted to dip into Amazon again that early, um, but for the most part, it's been really difficult for everyone, whether it's personal, professional, or somewhere in between. Um, so I think that all of those are universal themes that, you know, kind of come back to the same thing. It's never too late to to be a friend, to reach out to someone, uh, whether you know they're struggling, you think they're struggling, or you think they're good. Be able to reach out and go, hey, thinking about you, hope you're well, I'm around, you know. Yeah, I totally agree with that. The, the sharp intake of breath that you heard from me is like you and I have very different opinions on um, on Amazon, I think, and Jeff Bezos and paying his taxes. Like, I just we'll we'll, we'll get around to that <laughs> when we're done here. Um, I, I do think it's hilarious how many signatures there are in the petition to send him to space and not let him come back. So. <laughs> it's, it's one of those times that we need strong border control. Uh-huh. Or in this case, it's gravity control, I guess, or something like that. Um, yeah, the, you know, where's the yeah, Facebook? The, you where's know, what, on top of that, right? Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. Um, one of the yeah, it's one of the things we mentioned. You know, for this show, uh, one of the things I mentioned on Six Degrees was the fact that. Um, Back at the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of getting burned out because it was tough to schedule guests, and I just didn't feel like doing much with to-do lists, you know. Yeah. And I had mentioned to Rob, and I think you guys were still kind of on your on your hi- hiatus there for a while, and um, I was ready to kind of quit. I'd been doing it for five years. I, you know, it just was a pain in the ass. Um, it, it just was – and what really – really turned that around for me. It was one of the things that kind of made me realize I needed to get up off the couch was we started doing those quarantini episodes, the nighttime episodes um, mm-hmm. where we were checking in. We had Frank and Tammy, Frank and Tammy Zupan on and Tammy Colson um, and some other, we did about eight episodes, most of which were shows with a guest. But as I said, on six degrees, the, the, it wasn't so much the guest as it was to check in with a friend and see how they were doing and just talk to them, just reach out and talk to them. And, and what was the still a really tough time, you know? 
and that that sort of that that actually proved to me that we still had an audience. Not that I didn't think we had an audience, but it I felt like I had lost the connection there somehow. You know, from the old days, if you will. Um, and it turns out, yeah, that that this is still a you know it's still more than a it's not just a content creating forum. It's a community, and and that mattered to me a lot. And, you know, from the drive through HR perspective, kind of yeah. brought me back to feeling passion passionate about the the podcast again and so it, that, that was a, that was one of a few things that helped me climb out of my own little dark hole uh you know just uh yeah. was it, i didn't expect didn't expect to find it but i did so that was great you know it's it's interesting um the the size of the community that we're all part of that we uh, well i shouldn't speak for you all I'll, I'll speak for myself that that really found that connection through in-person events through conferences through uh hr revolution through sherm through hr tech like all of those big events uh unleash another one that you know we've really connected through and all of those went away and so to me it's kind of a a, a two-piece thing one of them is how do you how do you continue to make and support those connections and relationships when your primary vehicle for doing it disappears like overnight. Um, but then also like to your point, the strength of that community that is still together, um, that still communicates, we kind of ride this thing out. Um, I've seen some really interesting things come up, you know, the, the, you know, the Wednesday night Italian cooking classes that, you know, seem to have just kind of created themselves inside of this. I shouldn't say that, that minimizes the work that went into it, but yeah, these things that kind of that kind of got organized and then grew because we so much needed to connect to each other. Um, uh -huh. So, yeah, it's been an interesting uh, year and a half, to say the least. And I don't know, I don't True. know what that is, but you know. You know, I think the takeaway from that is people find a way to continue on, hmm. and and we are wired for connection. Uh, there has been more than enough studies and empirical and anecdotal evidence that shows that, like we just don't do well when we don't have connection with each other. And so we as a society and, and as a people find ways to continue on. Mm -hmm. and, um, and, and I was really glad and I'm still really glad to see all of the things that came out of it. I think the trick is going to be like keeping the good that came out of this because there was a lot of good that came out of the pandemic and, and not just going back into, Oh, everything's quote unquote back to normal because yeah. honestly, a lot of what was in the old normal needed to change. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. I, I hope we see that. I think that's part of what we, if you want to talk about Amazon, I think that's a decent segue into it. I think that's part of why we're seeing, mm -hmm. Um, workers in companies like Amazon and with Toyota and with, you know, McDonald's and, and the like, like start to say like enough, enough of this. And, and I don't know that that's a bad thing. I think there's, you know, poor, better, poor, good, better, best ways of going about getting that change. Mm -hmm. um, but, but I, I, I understand it. Like, yeah. So, um, yeah. can I just add one thing before we segue to to Amazon? Of course. Yeah. Um, sorry. Yeah, I know. I know you were trying to trying to take it to, to the next topic, Crystal. Um, one one thing that there was a conversation last week that was on Facebook, and I posted a I posted a memory Facebook memory from 2018 Sherm, um, which a lot of people, a lot of our friends were, yeah. were part of the Sherm 
social media squads or whatever they call them over the years. And it looks to me, um, you know, and I, this isn't a this isn't a knock on Sherm because things evolve. Um, looks to me like the that that era of Sherm social media teams and, and you know, it's kind of sponsoring that that group to come in and. Um, they don't. They never paid for our travel, but they let us in the conference and gave us a space where we got to do do a lot of good work for them, and you know, have an opportunity to connect and all that kind of stuff that we were talking about. Looks to me like that's dead. You know, that's another change of um, under the Sherm as they move forward into a, kind of a different era under Johnny Taylor. Um, but we were talking, and it was like Trish. So of course that that evokes memories of HR Evolution. The, the conversation developed in the common thread into one in which it was like, you know, it was never about Sherm really for us. You know, it was, it was about being able to find time for, you know, to see our community and, and that there is now an opportunity and, and it's to, you know, it's for the smaller events maybe, right? More intimate, you know, not necessarily HR evolution or whatever, but that there's an opportunity for us to create something new out of this, maybe, um, to, you know, within our community. And I, I, I think it might that might be something worthwhile for us to explore. It not not creating an event. That's not what I mean. But it but a discussion around that as part of a podcast someday. Because um, I there's a there's a va- there's a vacant opportunity there. I think to to have a discussion that seems to resonate with a lot of people right now. So, so let's 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 set that up for sometime. You know, maybe after the summer hiatus or something like that. So I, I think it's a great idea, and I can think of a couple people who I'd like to have on to talk about how that movement was built. Um, yep. And we would be remiss if we didn't mention them when we're talking about the shrimp pieces. So uh, our friends Curtis Midkiff. Yep. And and Terry Starr yep. really, really, with Sherman Dice, really did so much work to make that a reality. And I think that what you'll see, um, you know, Curtis and Terry both have gone on to, to bigger, better things. And they were really kind of the driving force in making those things reality. And when you lose those drivers as champions, sometimes this stuff falls to the side. Uh, not that the folks yep. who came after didn't also want to engage that way. But, you know, let's not underestimate the 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 effect of personal passion in a project. Yeah. And so, I don't know if Lottie is still the one that's selecting speakers for events, but I know for a while, like they worked together to make was. sure that, um, that the speakers that were selected were able to, to kind of play double duty in mm-hmm. that social space. And, and that's really helpful too. And I know that there's still, you know, Chris and, and um, oh, Andrew, is that his name? <laughs> Um, that still do some things with SHRM, but, but even outside of SHRM, I think we've seen conferences like Kara's GSMI mm-hmm. conferences um, have evolved into trying to bring multiple multiple events in under one big event to try to get a larger group of connections, right? And and to some some degree, there's probably some business behind economizing these things and, and putting them together. But but I'll tell you for my part, and I'm I'm very excited about GSM. GSMI's event next month, and we'll be doing some coverage around that. But um, from that event, I am also really looking forward to getting back to like our industry salons and our industry dinners. Like I see that light. Mm-hmm. So for those of you who don't know, uh, prior to the pandemic, we, we were hosting some, some dinners that was really just bringing eight people together for, you know, 24 to 48 hours to be able to, um, 
to spend some time together to talk about things in the industry, to talk about things outside of the industry. We wanted to get to know the people. And then, of course, the pandemic hit, we had to stop. But um, I'm looking forward to doing this again. And I'd like to see more events like that. I went to uh, Talent Brand Alliance's summit last month, and it was still virtual, mm-hmm. right? Um, but they did such a great job of engaging people on a personal level and not only in the conference period. But I felt like I really knew some new people coming out of that. And I, I'd like to see events move more towards that. And I, I don't know how you make the business case for that. Like there's a, a fine line of if my employer is paying for this, they probably yeah. don't care if I make friends. But, you know, there is some business value to that because I feel more comfortable now going to these people that I met last month and saying like, hey, what are you doing in the end? What are you doing with this specific type of issue? Mm-hmm. And and that can benefit my business. So I don't know. I'm I'm looking forward to seeing where the event space goes, but I'd like to see it be more personal. Cool. Yeah, I think we could do an entire week just on those things, and we can get uh, some of our organizer friends uh, from those groups to come on. What a great idea! Yeah. This is uh, for anybody who's listening. Uh, this is how shows happen. This is how the creative process works. Somebody says something clever, and then we all. I try to take credit for their idea. Um, okay. So, all right. So now I'm. I, what? Speaking of anybody listening, it's probably about time to do our reset, right? We're about halfway. Do we need to reset? Everybody knows to listen to Drive Through HR. Everybody knows that's Dwayne and you're Crystal, and that's Michael. I, I only booked. I think I only booked 45 minutes, so yep. it's a little bit past the half hour reset. So just so you know. Yeah. I, okay, so well. just so you know, we missed it, so we were going to do it next show. Oh, but, okay. So no, yep. so no reset. Um, so moving on to to the next topic. So this is one that, um, you know, we were we had talked last week. There was an interesting article that came out that was talking about um, this this great resignation wave that's coming, and we touched on that a little bit earlier about um, you know the workforce and and people who are saying, hey, I'm not willing to do this job for ten dollars an hour anymore. Like, I'd rather leave and go someplace else. People have re-evaluated what's important. Um, and there was some tie-in with Amazon there. Amazon is changing their drug testing policies. GM is changing them because they're running out of people to hire. Um, so I was interested in talking about those things. And then the story yesterday, again, it's Amazon adjacent. Um, if we go back a few weeks, we had some discussions about the uh, unionization vote in Bessemer, Alabama that failed for Amazon. And some people have cried foul over some of the um, things that have happened there. Um, but what's the, the next step I think is very interesting is that the Teamsters Union voted yesterday, uh, to create a, um, a, a committee or a, a department, so to speak, uh, specifically to target Amazon, to assist in unionization efforts, to help educate, to provide resources. Um, I think that's really interesting. I think that Amazon being such a huge employer, um, it, it's natural that they're kind of the, the, the target of this kind of uh, organization effort. Um, and it, it kind of makes me sit back and think, you know, the teachers getting involved here and taking a hand in trying to unionize Amazon is probably going to be more effective than individual employees of Amazon doing the same thing. Um, have we reached the point where a company like Amazon is pretty safe in unionization without outside interference just because of their, of their size and scope? Um, I just think it's an interesting, it's an interesting event to have happened. So I'm not sure if you all have thoughts on that. 
it, it, it's it, uh, well, I'll, I'll start just, okay. just because it's like my thing, right? Not Amazon, but unions, Amazon. So, so you, you may or may not be aware there was recently a very large union election held in Bessemer, Alabama, which is outside of Birmingham at, a, at an Amazon, at an Amazon warehouse there. Um, the election involved about 5,700 employees of Amazon, um, and the union that tried to organize them was the RWDSU, which is the Re- Retail Workers and Department Store Workers Union, and they're affiliated with the United Food and Commercial Workers Union. And they held this; they they, they ran a, a clever campaign called the Amazon Birmingham Amazon Campaign. Um, over a period of several months, the election was held, done by mail, ballot, so it wasn't done in a room like it normally would be with the NLRB. It was done by mail, and so they had a five-week voting period. Half the people in the unit, the 5,700 eligible voters, about half voted, and Amazon won about three to one uh, by, by a margin of about three to one. Um, so the union was resoundingly rejected in in uh after after they thought they had a serious chance to win um so that was a huge huge win for amazon and and of course it has caused all sorts of uh unfair labor practice charges to be filed etc the union is seeking to have the election overturned they may succeed on that i don't i don't think they will be but it's not inconceivable but but if they do then they rerun the election. Uh, they still lost by a you know three to one ratio, right? So how are they going to win another election? So there's a little bit of a disconnect between the way the unions operate and the way Amazon operates. Um, I would say that as much press as Amazon gets in a negative sense, um, and and I'm not I, like I love Amazon as a consumer. I'm not a huge fan of Amazon's HR practices. I mean they don't. There, there's a lot of lot of technology-driven stuff there that I don't, you know, I think is clever, but not necessarily leading to the best people outcomes. Um, but um, Amazon still, still won, you know, the hearts and minds of their employees in a large, one of the largest elections held in the last several decades. Yeah. Uh, the Teamsters can set, the Teamsters can set up a department and they can try to organize. They could win, they could win some units. Um, we'll see, but these efforts happen not often, but they, they, they happen, you know, once every decade, it seems like it was, it was Walmart for a long time. There was our Walmart, other things. And, uh, after all of that, multiple attempts by the UFCW and worker centers, Walmart still doesn't have a single unionized employee. So it's, it's going to, regardless of whether it's the Teamsters or not, they have a daunting challenge ahead of them. Amazon has resources beyond those of any other company on the planet mm-hmm. um, to weather this kind of stuff. And 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 even though it's a tough work environment, their their people, at least in one big election, bought came down on the side of the company. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not optimistic for the for the long term success of the Teamsters effort. But we'll yeah. see. I agree. I, and for a lot of the same reasons that you're talking about, Michael, we were talking about this before the show. And it was like, why do you think it's so difficult to make that change? And I, I truly believe that Amazon and 
companies like Amazon go to a lot of effort to to win over employees and to show them the benefits of not being um, not being unified unified uh, can't talk <laughs> unionized in from their perspective. And that doesn't make them right. It doesn't make it accurate. But it, it does seem like there is a lot of that uh, that kind of lobbying, and sometimes it's more negative. I mean, we've seen the stories with um, Toyota and, and some of the other companies that have come out. And that's unfortunate, right? Because you'd like for things to be able to be judged on their own merit, but it, it is the reality. So Amazon is an evil corporation. I think that they have practices that need to change. But I also think that of pretty much every company. Like what company doesn't have practices that need to change? Is that a rhetorical question or would you like us to pick one? No, feel free. Uh, Mike, I'll defer to you on, on what company is perfect. <laughs> Uh, none. Uh, <laughs> there, there are some really good employers out there, big and small. None are perfect. None get everything right, and none ever will. And anybody that hopes that they do is, is probably looking for a unicorn hmm. um, and not in the Silicon Valley at private equity sense. Um, but, but there are a lot of companies that strive to do their best most of the time. I, you know, I've worked for a few in my career, Dwayne, that I can say with, you know, absolute honesty, we didn't get everything right, but we did a lot of stuff really well, yeah. you know, and I imagine you and Crystal can say the same. Yeah, and that's, like, that's where I really do go back and look at this and say there are very few employers that, there's a couple, but there are very few employers that I can look at and say, yeah, I know about your company, and you just don't give a fly-in part in space about your employees. Most organizations mm-hmm. are trying to do elements of the right thing, if not full stop trying to do the right thing. They don't always succeed. But I think that's because employment is, is inherently unbalanced. Like, it's an inherently unbalanced proposition where the power dynamic is largely with the employer. Sure. So, you know, it's difficult for anyone, I think, when you're starting an unbalanced proposition to get to equal, right? Okay, so now let me challenge that a little bit, because I think you're right, and I think it is an unbalanced equation. Um, that being the case, and with societal, societal movement being where it is, why are these union votes failing? Like, you, you, you are in an unbalanced relationship where the employer generally has more power, You've got employees who are hitting the point of saying, I'm not willing to do this anymore for this pay. Like, it's right. not balanced. And so so when there is discussion of should we unionize, why isn't it more successful? You already answered your own question in the process of this. Why is Britain serious if you say not? I mean, they're still here, right? Like, there is a component in this. And, and in a couple of different ways, people fear what they don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. So I know what this looks like. I don't know what that might look like. And for all of the um, marketing for a union, there is equal marketing against it. Right. And so there is probably fear of change. There's also fear of retribution. Again, I go back to the Toyota story that came out where employees were talking about like they feared voting for a union because if it didn't pass, they were afraid they were going to lose their job. If it didn't pass. Right. Gotcha. Isn't it secret ballot, though? Like, why does that matter? 
Man, I don't work for Toyota. <laughs> <laughs> Michael might have more insight there. Yeah, it is secret ballot, and employees employees fear different things. I mean, employees are just as fearful of unions as they are uh, coming in and changing things as they are of managers retaliating. I mean, it's it, it's just it's changed, and yeah. you know there are passionate supporters on both sides, and then there's the undecided uh, middle that that you know is is cautious and conservative and. They, they don't want to lose what they got. It's the same reason it's hard to get unions out once they're in. Uh, it's not necessarily that every – because I, I would argue that most contracts today, union contracts, uh, n- other than, it, you know, done in the last, you know, 10 years or so, most of the large companies for GM, those unions have been around since, the you know, the 1940s. Not mm-hmm. a single employee that's in the union has voted to support the, you know, to be organized with the with the UAW, their legacy, um, and it's tough to get them out. And you go look at the UAW, and you know their last two presidents are in jail for corruption, stealing money, mm-hmm. and bribery. Bribery, right? Nobody's yeah. perfect. Unions aren't perfect. I mean, they. I was a member of a union. They do some good things, or they did some good things. They're utility. Their, I don't know what word I'm looking for here. Their value, their utility, is largely diminished these mm-hmm. days because because laws. Uh, so first of all, employers make much better choices than they used to in the 40s and 50s. They provide benefits. They pay. They they provide. You know, they they pay reasonably well for the most part. They could pay better, obviously, in um, certain industries. Again, nobody's perfect. Um, but you know the between between legislation and and better management practices, the things unions fought for exist mm-hmm. now, and it's hard for them to to deliver new value if that makes sense they no. they don't add a lot of value now and 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 the only way that they can be successful is if they if they get in at a company where people are doing stupid stuff mm-hmm. um so it's it, it that that's their problem. Their value proposition isn't that compelling anymore, and they yeah. keep trying to sell the same stuff. And, and 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 just like in Alabama, the employees aren't buying it. So that's their that's their, their that's their struggle in a nutshell, my opinion. Yeah, and I should probably have a disclaimer that none of us are explicitly pro or anti-union. Uh, right. it's, it's, a, it's a thought exercise. Uh, I was a member of a union when yep. I was young, uh, working at a uh, grocery store, and. It's one of those where, it, kind of to your point, Mike, it wasn't a, hey, this is something you should consider. It's a, by the way, we're also going to take this money out of your check, and here's a pen you can wear on your frock. Um, yep. And there wasn't really, you know, not that I needed much voting rights at 16, but still. Um, but, yeah, and so there, there's definitely the value prop there, but you've got the balance between that and the employer. And to your point, employers are, are, are they don't need to be pushed as hard because, We've had societal changes. We have, you know, different laws that are in place now to, you know, prevent some of the stuff that the unions helped weed out. Um, but it's, but it is interesting. There's a lot of societal pressure right now on the employer-employee relationship. And so, like every time I see these stories, you know, Amazon always fascinates me because of the, you know, the the negative press that they get over their culture. But it's clearly working for them, and it's clearly working for some of the people who work there. Um, so, you know, who am I to judge, right? Well, and, and, and I, and I would, the, the converse argument 
so I'll just be devil's advocate against my own statement from a minute ago, is if there is a time where people may buy into a union argument, it might be now. When, yeah. and when clearly the leverage, I mean, and I, I, you know, we go back to like, what did COVID change? Um, and, you know, our two subjects on Fridays, Amazon and COVID. <laughs> Every yeah. But, but th- this one is actually interesting, um, where some of the others aren't, they're just depressing. But anyway, um, there, there hasn't been a moment in history, in recent history, where workers have had more leverage against employers than they do right now. The really weird part is it's individual. Right. Yes. I mean, it's the, it's co- it's collective in terms of the sense of the restaurant industry, like they're like the people there just said, I'm not doing that anymore. And and the truth is, Wayne, I've seen I can't point to a, the, the article, but a lot of the people that worked in restaurant industries went to work at Amazon. So they're yeah. making higher wages. They're getting benefits. They're they're like, you know, I'm working my ass off, but I, it's it's a better deal. Um, you know, but you, you're seeing the restaurant industry struggle, uh, and you know there's a there's a chance there that um, you know unions might show up there in some way, shape, or form. I mean they're trying, and this might be a chance for them to you know find a new value proposition or or, or you know a new new way to offer something. So I, there's not it's not like they're dead. There's opportunity, and they definitely still have utility, but it's just different, and, and they have to be smart enough to figure it out. Well, we are uh, rapidly approaching the end of our show, um, so let's uh, let's do some final thoughts so we can wrap up and send everybody off to their weekend. Um, Mike, you want to go first? Any last thoughts for the week? Just yeah, um, it's Friday. I'm on vacation for the next week, and uh, no shows for me next week. And I hope everybody has a great weekend while I'm off relaxing up here in uh, the mountains in New York. Well, I don't know how good our weekend will be if you're not part of our week personally. It's, uh, it's going to be a down. <laughs> I hope you uh, you enjoy it and you have no uh, contact with the outside world as much as possible. Chris, Thanks. See you all later. Bye. <laughs> Chris, yeah, final so, thought. So next week we've got Lisa um, Rukusik on. I probably butchered her last name. I, it occurs to me I've never actually said it out loud. So that's exciting. Um, also on 7-6, you know, start promoting this now. Robin Erickson with the conference board recently released a new study around well-being um, and work and the COVID pandemic. It's really fascinating. I'm very excited to be able to share the uh, the information that we talked about through that meeting, and then we'll be having her on again in a couple of weeks. So mark your calendars now for two days after July 4th when we can listen to Robin's, Robin's show on the drive-thru. Okay. So good promotion. Any final thoughts for the week that you want to share? That was my final thought. Your final thought is all about next week. Man, You're excited about stuff. Forward. It's great. Keep looking forward. It's great. Always move forward. ABC, always be... Um, so where does the C go? Involved? I don't know. It's supposed to be closing, but I don't know what... Maybe it's ABF. No, ABF doesn't work. That's, <laughs> that's just silly. Um, anyway, all right. So my final thoughts that I'll leave you with for the week. Um, I'm going to hearken back to something Jason and I talked about. It is, it is never too late to be a friend. It's never too late to reach out to people who need support. Um, so if you're listening to this, your homework is to take the time to text three people you haven't talked to in the last couple of weeks, people you've lost touch with through the pandemic. I just drop a note and say, hey, I'm thinking about you. Hope you're well. And, uh, and see where the conversation goes. It's never too late to do those things. In fact, find people you haven't talked to specifically and reach out to them. 
Um, that is our show. That is our week. That is your cue um, to throw off your shackles of employment, uh, crack open a cold beverage of your choice, fire up the grill, uh, and enjoy your weekend. We enjoy talking to you. Hope you're all well. Um, and hope we get to see you on the other side of the weekend. Take care, everybody. Make it a great day.